He says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him. So in other words, that word him is capitalized, and the only way you would capitalize him there would be if you're talking about God or Jesus, okay? So everyone who has this hope fixed on Jesus purifies himself. Notice that, the, the lowercase letter himself. You would not say himself in lowercase letters if you're talking about Jesus or God. And so there he's talking about us. So we would purify ourselves, and here it is again, just as he capitalized, he's talking about Jesus there, just as he is pure. And so the standard of purity is Jesus Christ. He's the standard of righteousness. He's the standard of holiness. And I got some bad news or maybe good news. You will never get there on this side. You won't get there on this side, but that's still the standard. That's still the standard. You'll never get there. You will ne- that's the reason why you will only get there once you die, once Jesus Christ comes back and makes you like him. So we've got a part to do in this. And I want to look, how can we purify ourselves in these days we're living in? And there's two things that I think you can see from this passage, and we'll go to some other passages as well. The first thing is this. If you're going to purify yourself just as he is pure, the first thing you got to do is you've got to keep your eyes or you've got to look ahead. you got to look ahead. Look at what verse 2 says. Go back to 1 John chapter 3. He says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we shall be, but we do know this, that when he appears... We will be like him. What is he talking about there? He's talking about the blessed hope of Jesus Christ coming again. Do you know this? That if it was, if, if an angel came down Gabriel and said that Jesus is coming back on June 30th this month, How much different would you live your life? How much different? How would you rearrange your schedule? How would you rearrange what you're doing now if you knew Jesus was going to come back on a certain day? Oh, you'd change. You'd straighten up, right? And you know what? When you keep your eyes on the fact that Jesus Christ could come at any moment, that the very breath you are breathing right now it is borrowed breath, that you're not promised the next breath, that you are one moment from stepping into eternity, when you have that focus in your mind and in your spiritual eyes, it changes everything everything that you do it just simply changes everything see when I was growing up as a preacher's kid and we all know that preacher's kids they're, they're pretty bad kids right and that's because they hang out with the members kids but anyway uh, but if we were having a revival service and I knew one was coming up I'd start straightening out my life 
because I'd be afraid the preacher's going to call me out and tell everybody what I've been doing. Right? I'd be scared. And we need to live with the same urgency in our life that says Jesus Christ could come back at any moment, and if he does, I want to be bold at his appearing and say, I'm ready to go, whether he comes today, whether he comes next week, whether I die today, whether I live another 20 years, I want to look ahead. I want to keep my eyes on the fact that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. I want to be ready. And when you keep your eyes on that fact that Jesus Christ could come at any moment, it will cause you to live right. It'll cause you to straighten up. As my, as my grandma would say, son, you need to straighten up and fly right. I don't know what she was saying there, but I, I kind of got the gist of it, that it was time for me to straighten up some things. It was time for me to quit doing some things. And when you got your eyes on the fact that Jesus Christ can come back, it'll cause you to want to walk right. Amen? So not only should we look ahead, look up, but we should also look out, okay? Not only should we look ahead, but we should also look out. See, John says, if you remember that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment, and you've got that hope, you know what you're going to do? You're going to purify yourself just as he is pure. You want to be ready you want to be righteous just as Jesus Christ is righteous. And listen, we got to have a biblical balance on this. We are declared righteous, but we should also practice righteousness, right? We are declared holy, but we should also walk in holiness. We are sanctified. We're set apart, but we should also sanctify ourselves and walk in sanctification, walk in a process where we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? We look ahead, but the second thing we do is this. We look out. We look out. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Look what Paul writes here to the church at Colossae. And in Colossians chapter 3, of course, just kind of give you a background for a second. There's four chapters in Colossians. The first two have to do with Christ's work, the supremacy of Christ. But then the last two have to do with our walk. In other words, we always see this when Paul writes numerous epistles. In the book of Ephesians, six chapters. First three deal with doctrine. Last three deal with our duty. It's the same thing here in Colossians. First two chapters deal with doctrine. Who is Jesus Christ? What has he done? The last two chapters deal with our duty. What should we do? How do we walk it out? And look what he says here. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, that means this, you have been saved. If you've been saved, if you've been saved, what does he say you're supposed to do? Continue on. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on this earth. In other words, you've got to keep your mind, you've got to keep your vision on the future, on the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. You've got to keep your sight, you've got to keep your mind on the eternal and not the here and now you got to set your mind. 
you got to set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. When you are living for above, it will change your living down here. Amen. And then he says there's some things you've got to look out for. Let's go down to verse 5 here. He says, therefore, because you're saved, because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, he says, therefore, there's some things you've got to look out for. And so he tells us here, put to death the sinful earthly things. In a New Living Translation, he's got this up here. says this, which are lurking within you. What does that mean, lurking? It means this. It means just hanging out, kind of like laying low in the bushes. He says there's some things in your life that you've got to look out for because those things are trying to trip you up. Those things are trying to destroy your marriage. They're trying to destroy your family. They're trying to destroy your Christian witness. And what are the things he tells us here as God's children that we should Look out for. The first thing he says here in verse 5, he says, put to death. In other words, you've got to cut the umbilical cord. In other words, you've got to make sure that you hold yourself back, cut off the supply that may urge you to go toward this direction. He says, you've got to put to death the sin for the things lurking within you. And then he says, verse, verse 5, verse 6, he says, verse 5b, he says, the first one is this. He says, immorality. You've got to put to death immorality. Now the NASB, it just says immorality. Your version may say this, sexual immorality. But immorality, it encompasses the whole gambit. Okay? So I've got to look out for sexual immorality. Do you realize we live in a sexual craze society? Now listen, I know when I was growing up, preachers just didn't talk about this. And the problem was this, the world was talking about it. And the world was the one that was giving them information that had nothing to do with biblical principles and values. And you may say, well, the kids are in here. Listen, I promise you this. Your kids are hearing stuff you wouldn't. It would make you blush if you know what they heard at school from their friends. You just turn on the TV nowadays and you are bombarded with sexual immorality. You're bombarded with it. And he says, listen, you've got to put a stop to it. You've got to cut off the lifeline. You've got to cut the umbilical cord. You've got to realize, listen, let me tell you something. Let me kind of give you a, 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 a shocker to you. You're not as spiritual as you think you are. You're not as strong as you think you are. See, we're all, at a, uh, we're all humans, and we all can fall into temptation. We all can fall into sin. There's not a single person in here that is beyond temptation and sexual sin. How do we know that? You look at the Scripture. The wisest man in the Bible, 
succumbed to it. The strongest man in the Bible, Samson, he succumbed to it. A man after God's own heart in the Bible, David, he succumbed to it. And if you don't watch out, if you don't live in red alert, you can also succumb to it. And so he says in your life, you've got to put to death any kind of sexual immorality. Now, what does, that, what does all that encompass? It encompasses adultery. It encompasses fornication or premarital sex. It encompasses homosexuality. It encompasses bestiality. It encompasses incest. It encompasses prostitution. It encompasses pornography. Whatever those things are, he says, you've got to put those things to death. You cannot stay and fight it. He says, you should flee immorality. You've got to run from it. See, David sat around and played with it and got in the fire. But Joseph, on the other hand, we read his story, when he was caught in a situation where he could compromise God's word, the Bible says he ran from it because he knew he couldn't stand that temptation. He would eventually give in to it. And young people, I tell you this, in your hands, that phone, you've got access to more vile, more vulgar stuff than at any point in your life. You just simply do. When I was growing up, in order to do something like that or see something we shouldn't see, we had to make an effort to go do it. You had to go to the store. You had to, you, you had to go. But now, everything is at the touch of your fingertips. And God's word tells us that we must abstain from any kind of sexual immorality in our lives. Listen. You can only do that by walking in the Spirit, by yielding to the Spirit. And if you'll walk in the Spirit, if you'll yield to the Spirit, he says you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God is not going to do it for you. You've got to do it. You've got a part to play in this as well. You've got to abstain from all appearances of immorality. He says you've got to put to death sexual immorality. You've got to put it to death. I know we're in the month of June, and I don't want to get off on this, but I'm going to have to touch on it. And because nowadays, the month of June, if you go into a store, they're going to throw the rainbow in your face. Why? Because they have taken over this month, and this month of June is now known as Gay Pride Month. That's what it's known for. Can you imagine... Two sins that are abominable to God, not just gay, but also pride. We're proud about it. We're doing this that goes against God's word, and we're proud about it. That would be the same thing as having adultery pride month. Yeah, as foolishness as that seems, or having murder pride month. If you've killed somebody, you wave a flag and tell people that you're proud of what you've done. See how ludicrous this world has become 
And we got to realize that, church, we are at war, and so we have got to kill everything that tries to distract us from our walk with Jesus Christ. Then he moves on. Not only immorality, but he says impurity. What is impurity? Impurity is simply moral uncleanness. Whether it's in your thoughts, whether it's in your words, or whether it's in your deeds. Some people say, we don't matter what I think. Well, it does matter. You may say, well, nobody knows what I think. Well, God knows. And God knows, and God says this. Jesus said this. He said, out of the heart, in other words, out of your mind, comes adultery, comes fornication, comes murder. All those things, where do they start at? They start in your heart. They start in your mind. And so he says, you've got to put to death those things in your life immorality, impurity. Then he says passions. What are passions? Passions are simply means this. It means out-of-control desires. And then he says evil desires. What is that? That's the lust of the flesh. That's the lust of the eyes. That is the pride of life. And I know we always want to think about lust as something that is sexual-oriented, but it doesn't mean that all the time. Lust is just simply this. It is when you want something that is not part of God's plan for your life. See, the children of Israel, they lusted after garlic, leeks, and onions. Now listen, if you put a garlic piece of garlic in front of my face, I'm not lusting over it. Okay? I'm not lusting over onions. But what made it lust? It was because God gave them manna, and they didn't want what God gave them. They wanted something else. That was their desire. They didn't want to follow God's word. They wanted their own ways, their own will. And he says, you've got to put those things to death. Then he says, not only that, he says, greed. Greed. You've got to put to death greed. Greed, he says, is covetousness, which is also idolatry. Then let's continue on on this grocery list. In case we ain't hit some, everybody here today, let's continue on. Verse 8 and 9. He says, but now, don't delay. You must also put aside anger. Okay, you must also put aside anger. If you're mad at me this morning, guess what? You better put it aside because a lot of us got to realize this. Listen, your anger is not righteous anger. Most of the time, our anger, I say 99.9% of the time, our anger is not a righteous anger because in our anger, we want to wring somebody's neck, Right? He says you got to put that stuff away, anger. Why, don't, why do you got to put that away? Because if you don't put anger away, you know what it's going to lead to? It's going to lead to wrath. And what is wrath? Wrath is simply this. It is an outburst of anger. It is violence. See, if you try to hold that in and not let that go and give it to God, what's going to happen is this. You're going to blow up on somebody. Absolutely you are. He says you got to get rid of it. you got to kill it. Then he says malice. What is malice? It is a mean-spirited or vicious attitude. It is desire to harm people, but yet you're acting like you're trying to do something good to them. That's what malice is. Oh, yeah, you're patting them on the back, but you really got a knife in your hand. You're really stabbing them in the back the whole time. He says you got to put that stuff away. You got to kill that stuff. Then he says abusive speech. What is abusive? It's foul mouth. 
You know, as a child of God, if you're a new creation, he gives you a new language. And there is no room for a child of God to tell dirty jokes, to tell obscene jokes. If you're doing those things, he says, you know what? You got to destroy those things. You got to kill those things because you are a representative of Jesus Christ in everything that you do. Then he says, also lying. Lying. I know we don't lie in here. I didn't had somebody told me they lied on the survey. Why? Because they want to portray themselves as probably something holier than they are. When you lying is more than just oh, you may say, well, I just I just a little white lie. There's no such thing as a white lie. There's no such thing as a black lie. It's just lying. And lying is this, it's when you misrepresent yourself. See, I know we got people, they say, boy, wouldn't it be go back, good to go back to Acts? You can have Acts, okay? Because in the book of Acts, when people would come into church like Ananias and Sapphira, and they lied in church, you know what happened to them? They got carried out dead. And if you know what, if, they, if God did that today to our church, we may have an empty house here in a few weeks, right? Because a lot of times we will come into God's house and we will misrepresent ourselves and portray ourselves as something that we are not when God already knows who we really are. We not, you know, you may fool somebody else, but you're not fooling God. And he says, listen, it's time to put aside all these things. It's time to put aside all these things. Romans 13, 12 through 14, where the Apostle Paul says, Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. He says, And put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual uh, promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. He says, verse 14, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. In other words, listen, you are not just supposed to kill something. You're not just supposed to take off something. You're not just supposed to put off something. You're also supposed to put on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And how do we do that? How do we purify ourselves? It's all like about this. Paul says in Galatians 5.16, This I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of your flesh. See, it's not just us by ourselves. Like we talked about last week, how that we've got a part to play in this, but we also got a partner in this. Listen, we've got a part to purify ourselves, but we've also got a partner in the Holy Spirit that helps us live a victorious life over sin. And so I tell you, I challenge you this morning, look ahead and realize that Jesus Christ could come at any moment and look out because there are things out there that are trying to trip you up, that are trying to cause you to stumble and fall. And so you got to always be on a state of red alert in your life because Jesus Christ had come back at any moment. And when he comes back, I want to say, here I am, Lord. I want to be bold at his appearing and not be ashamed of anything in my life. Amen? I want us to close with this as you come in and play. We're going to back go into communion here. And we know that communion 
is a time to look back at what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. It's also a time that we look ahead to his promise that he's coming again. But before we partake in this communion, I want us to look within ourselves. I want us to look within ourselves. And I want us to pray these scriptures this morning. And he's going to put these verses up there. And I want us to pray this aloud and make this our prayer. Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Let's pray this together. Let's say it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there to be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Lord, search us. Psalms 51 and 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's my prayer, Lord. Give me a clean heart. Give me a steadfast spirit. Psalms 19 and 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let me give you another one that's not up there. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Let's pray. You make the prayer personal to you. Lord Jesus, as we're about to partake of this communion time, you tell us in your word that a man should examine himself and not drink it unworthily, not eat it unworthily. Lord, if there's any wicked way within us, any unconfessed sins, whether it's immorality, whether it's evil desires, whether it's anger, whether it's rage, whether it's malice, whether it's greed, whether it's bitterness, whatever it is, Lord, Holy Ghost of God, Show it to us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that if we confess our sins, God, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.